Good morning. Welcome to the Lord's house. Are you glad to be here? All right. Some of you still aren't awake. We have coffee out there if you need it. Stand up with us, if you will, and let's sing to the Lord.
We got a little extra drum right there on the end. I love it. Shout out, Brother Shannon. Woo! Hey, guess what? I don't know if you know this or not, but Hope is alive today. His name is Jesus. Amen. And it's our greatest joy to lift him up and to give him praise today. So I hope you've come ready to do just that. Are you? Yes, because we have a coffee bar to help kick that into gear if you need it. I know it's a rough weekend. It's a rough weekend for most youth pastors across the nation. Daylight changing time, right? Whatever that is. Come on, let's just have one schedule. Let's just have one schedule. And, and, and youth conferences always fall on this weekend. I just got back from Branson with like 25 kids, so it was crazy. And a couple of them showed up today. Awesome. Shout out to those. Woo! It's good. But it's good to see that you showed up today, too. And again, we're so thankful that we're able to meet in this place today and to lift up and praise the name of Jesus. And I know that God has something truly incredible today, and I can't wait to get started. So we're going to invite you to all stand right back up, and we're going to ask God to anoint our services today. It's so good to see you. Let's pray. Lord, we lift you up and we praise your name, God. We, we are so thankful to gather here at Kavanaugh Church as the body of Christ to be able to celebrate you and what you've done for us, God. So right now, I'm just praying for all the distractions to get put off to the side and help align our focus to be more on you today, right now. Because there's a lot that's trying to get in in the way. There's a lot of stuff that are, we're still holding on to from last week, God. I pray that we can just kind of put that stuff away and we can focus on you. There might be someone here today that needs to know you personally as their Savior. And we pray for salvation today as well. That As the message comes is brought to us by our pastor. Lord, I pray that as your word is spoken, salvation is heard, hope is found, and freedom can be had. We love you and continue to bless the rest of our services in your name. Amen. Let's praise.
We are uh, given a glimpse of what's going on in heaven in John, or not John, John wrote it in Revelation chapter 4, and it's a, a beautiful, detailed description of what is being said and what is being sung right now as we speak right here at Fort Smith, America. I can't think of a better way to bring heaven to earth than for us to participate in the exact words that are being spoken and sung right now in heaven. So if you will join me for a responsive reading, and I'll read this first light print, and then you join our praise team and speak the bold, and then we're going to sing it, okay? Revelation chapter 4. Whenever the, the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor
Good job, praise team. Wasn't that great? That's great. Yep. Let's, uh, let's give God a hand, though, because it's all about Him, so give Him a big, big hand. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glad you're here today. Good to see you, man. I love that sun, don't you? Sun makes everything better. And the sun makes everything better, right? You, you got that. Are you ready for springtime? Oh, man. It's coming right around the corner. In fact, I looked at my calendar. Next Sunday, spring gets here, all right? So are you excited? Man, I'm ready. One thing I know, when spring comes, Jason, you know what it means? You got to get the water hose out. I mean, that's what spring brings. You got to get the water hose out for all the projects that need to be done around. How many of you own a garden hose? Raise your hand if there's a garden. And keep it up because I'm, I'm really, I'm surveying. If you're at your house, you have a garden hose. Okay. First service, everybody had one. Not, not everybody has one here. Okay, next question. How many of y'all have one of those new Fandangle water hoses that are guaranteed not to kink up? You got Anybody have one of those? My question is, do they work? Okay, mixed reviews. Mixed reviews. That's why I haven't bought one, and the other reason I'm a miser like my dad when it comes to that, I'm just going to keep using my old water hoses until they're unusable, right? But here's what I know happens springtime every year. I, I try to unravel that garden hose that's been laying there all winter, and it doesn't, it doesn't want to straighten out. I hook it up, and I start using it, but inevitably, it's just going to go down to a trickle. And when it just trickles out, I know, I know what the problem is. There's a kink in the line. And so you got to trace that kink down, and you find the kink, and it's never an easy fix, is it? Because you end up having to take the whole water hose and you get it all twisted around you and by that time you're ready to go in and have an iced tea anyway, right? Man, I hate it, don't you? I hate it when the line has a kink in it because that kink inhibits the flow of the water. Can I get an amen? Amen. Keep that in mind. As we look at our passage of Scripture today, we're going to read a story found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, starting in verse number 38. It's a story about Mary and Martha, two two amazing women. You know what? You can learn a whole lot from a good woman, and we're going to learn a whole lot today. Verse 38, while they, that's Jesus and his disciples, were traveling, he entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. You know why she welcomed him? She had the gift of hospitality. And and she loved inviting people to her house. She loved to have Jesus and his disciples in her house. And let me tell you, Miss Martha was known for her chicken casserole. She could make a mean chicken casserole. And her carrot cake was to die for. And so sure enough, Jesus and the guys went over to Martha when she opened her home. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. Now, it's important that we visually see this scenario. We're all at Mary and Martha's house, Jesus, 
his disciples, other people. And Jesus is seated somewhere in the living room and he's teaching them his life-transforming message. And all the disciples are around listening to Jesus. And there is Mary. I don't know if Mary was the oldest or the youngest, but there was Mary right at the feet of Jesus. She was seated on the, really, Nathan, the best seat is at Jesus' feet. And Mary had the best seat in the house. She was there listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to get up and give me a hand. <laughs> the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. William, William, David, David, Jason, Jason, you are worried and upset about many things. Only one thing is necessary, and Mary has made the right choice, and it's not going to be taken away from her, period. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would open our hearts for your word. Help us to realize, Lord, that the best seat in the house is at your feet. And that every day we, we need to be right there at your feet, learning from you, spending time with you, growing in our relationship with you. Help us to learn from this story of Mary and, and Martha. And help, help us, dear Lord, to be more like Mary in the Martha world in which we live. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm not going to badmouth Martha. God bless Martha. Let me tell you, Martha was an amazing woman who, who was this wonderful conduit of blessing. Out of her life came the refreshing waters of the Holy Spirit. She dearly loved Jesus. I, I think Martha loved Jesus with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. And she had a tremendous gift of hospitality. Jesus often visited in her home. In fact, in John chapter 11, it tells us that Jesus dearly loved both Mary and her sister Martha. They were a great source of blessing for Jesus and for others. And this story right here in Luke chapter 10 begins with some happy words. Verse 38, while they were traveling, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. God bless Martha for doing that because Jesus and his disciples had been traveling. They were weary. They were tired. They, need, they needed a time of refreshing. They needed to rest, and they desperately needed something to eat. And Martha said, hey, Jesus, you and the boys, come on over. I've got you taken care of. But as we continue reading this passage, we see that Martha developed a kink in her heart that hindered her ability to continue to be this channel of blessing. You know what? That same thing can happen to any one of us. Any one of us in this room can get a kink in our hearts, and sometimes we develop that kink in our lives and hearts. It gets knotted up, and it dramatically reduces our joy and our strength and our usefulness to the Lord. So let's talk about the kinks we get in our life. You want to? 
We're going to look at that right here in this passage. Luke tells us this story, and he describes five problems that developed in Martha's life and heart. And I guarantee you, you have experienced at least five of these problems. Thank you for being with me today, all right? It's great. Let's look at the five problems that kinked up Martha's heart. Problem number one, distraction. Look at this passage again. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were traveling on their way, they came to this village where a woman named Martha opened her home to them. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And why was she distracted? Because Jesus came to her house. Could you imagine Jesus coming to your house? How many of you would freak out if Jesus called and said, hey, I'm going to stop by for lunch? True story that Jimmy Carter, when he was president, uh, had this habit of, of just stopping at an American, average American's family's home to spend the night. Uh, they would get a phone call from, from somebody in his office and they would say, President Carter's traveling through your town, your city, and, and he'd just like to spend the night in your home. Would that be okay? And it wasn't a prank, it was a real thing. Danny said he did that because he didn't want to lose his connection with an average, common American family. Well, we, we need some people in government like that today, don't we? Yeah. That's beside the point. What, what, I don't know how you feel about the current president. You may not want him in your home. But what if you got a call that said, the president is going to come spend the night with you? Well, let me tell you, you would be freaking out. And Martha was freaking big time because Jesus was in her house. I, I like the way the King James Version translates this. this. It, it tells us that Martha was cumbered about. Now, we don't talk like that anymore. When was the last time you said, oh, I've been cumbered about lately? <laughs> but, but isn't it descriptive? Think about that. She was cumbered about. The, the word itself, and this is the only time this word is used in the entire Bible, is a compound of two smaller Greek words. The verb to draw or to pull. Being pulled in every direction. Did, did you hear that? I was being pulled in every direction just a second ago. My, my mic was over here and my voice was over there. That, that's what it's talking about. Literally, verse number 40 says that Martha was pulled in every direction. You ever feel that way? Some translations use the word over busy or over occupied. I, I think every one of us in this room can, can relate with that. Now, th those of you who are multitaskers, like my wife, you can handle it a little better than those of us who are not. I'm not even a good single tasker. <laughs> but you know what? All of us get over busy, don't we? We allow ourselves to become too busy, busier than God intends, busier than is necessary, busier than is wise, and we become distracted. Now, in the midst of this, I don't want you to lose the picture that this passage is drawing for us. I want you to see the people involved. And here we have Mary. Remember Mary? Where's Mary at? 
she's at the feet of Jesus. I'm not going to get all the way down because I won't be able to get back up. But she was literally, I think, I think she was sitting down on, maybe cross-legged, I don't know, but she was sitting on the floor right at the feet of Jesus. She was looking into the eyes of Jesus. She was laser-focused on Jesus. Nothing else mattered in that house. She was totally oblivious to her peripheral vision where Martha was running around doing all kinds of, she was focused on Jesus. You see that? She was focused on Jesus. On the other hand, Miss Martha wasn't. Martha was distracted. She wasn't listening to a single word Jesus was saying. And there's the problem. Martha's second difficulty was doubt. Look at verse 40 again. Martha was pulled in all these different directions by all the preparations that had to be made. And so she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, say this out loud with me, don't you care? How often while being pulled in all directions do we momentarily doubt God's power, doubt God's presence, doubt God's concern? God, if, if you really loved me, you wouldn't have allowed this to happen in my life. God, if you really cared about me, this could not have gone on. Lord, if you were as concerned about me as you should be, you would have never allowed this to happen in my life. Here's the problem. When you are not at his feet, focused on his word, you start doubting because you're distracted. You're looking at all the problems, all the deficiencies, all the things that haven't been done or can't be done, and you're not focused on the one who can solve all those problems. And so you doubt. So let me just ask you the question, does he care? You answer that question, does Jesus care? Yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary and the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. So doubt, get away. I'm going to focus on Jesus and his words because I know he cares. The third kink in her heart was self-pity. And when you become distracted and you start doubting whether or not God cares, here comes, oh, self-pity. Look at verse 40b. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all of this work by myself? Lord, would you tell my sister to get up and help me in the kitchen? I mean, you, you can almost hear her saying this, can't you? She was irritated. And in a flash of anger, she not only reprimanded her sister, she reprimanded the Lord Jesus Christ. She gave both of them the what for. And it was motivated by this feeling of, I've got more work to do than I can possibly do. I mean, would you just look at this place? The floor needs sweeping. There are still guests arriving. Their feet have to be washed. The bread has to be sliced. The table has to be set. The napkins have to be folded. And I can't do all of it by myself because nobody's helping me. 
And so Martha stewed and brooded about it all until she snapped. And the top popped off her head. Have you ever been around somebody when their top popped? It ain't pretty, man. Now, of course, Martha did need help, didn't she? I mean, we're not going to deny that. Many hands make light the work, and if you've got people over your house, everybody in the family needs to help. Don't they, Freddie? They need to, but they weren't. However, that's not the problem here. The problem is Martha's agenda didn't really line up with the agenda that Jesus had for that afternoon. I, I don't think Jesus was as nearly concerned as Martha was about how much seasoning had gone into the beans. I, I don't think Jesus was all bent out of shape that the floor actually needed to be swept. To, to Jesus, it, it, it wasn't a big deal if the, if the table was set or not set, if they were using china or plastic. He didn't care. And I don't really think Jesus was going to get his tape measure and measure how the napkins were folded. He was concerned with something else. Jesus was concerned at this moment in speaking to the people who were closest to him about his life-changing message. Jesus wanted to make sure these guys got it. That they understood his message, his mission, his love, his hope. And so he spoke to them from his heart. They needed to hear what he had to say. And that left poor Martha feeling abandoned in the kitchen where she fell into this very grudging mood of irritable self-pity. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all of this work by myself? Please tell her to help me. Oh, boy. Now, I'm sure I could just take the mic and walk around and you could give me plenty of illustrations about this in your own life where you have felt self-pity because you were the only one working. I'm, I guess I'm the only one who can flush the toilets around this place. I guess I'm the only one who can turn off the light switch around this place. I can't tell you how many times Miss Angie has said that. But <laughs> instead of telling you one of those stories, I'm, I'm going to tell you a true story that happened in the life of one of our veteran missionaries to Cuba, Mabel Willie. Mabel and her husband, Pop Willie, were Free Will Baptist missionaries to Cuba. They, they made a huge impact in Cuba that, that we are still seeing and feeling today. But this story happened when Mabel was a college student at Bible College. She was a senior and she was elected president of her senior class. And along with all of those accolades came a whole lot of work. They had this big project that the senior class was supposed to do and Miss Mabel was in charge of it. Now when, when they decided to do this project, guess what? The entire senior class was on fire. They were ready to go. They wanted to help. But then when it came to the nitty gritty and all the hard work, Everybody had something else to do, and Miss Mabel had to do it by herself. 
And so she got up one morning fearing, feeling the exact same way that Martha felt, full of self-pity. She said, poor me, I always have to do everything by myself. And she, she knew she needed some God time, and so she picked up her Bible and went to the woods, found a place to sit down, and she, she started praying. She said, Lord, I need a word from you today. Please, I'm going to open my Bible, and, and I'm going to read the verse that you direct my eyes to, and I know it's going to be the word I need to hear. And Mabel said, I really thought God was going to give me a verse about his love and his care for me. And, and how he was with me when nobody else was going to be around and he was going to strengthen me and help me and maybe, maybe a verse on the peace of God that passes all understanding. So she opened her Bible and guess where it flopped open to? The Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verse 10. Now you don't have this verse memorized, but let me read it for you. It says, so you also... When you have done everything you were told to do, you should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. She said, okay, Lord. And I don't know if you picked that up. We are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. She said, I went back to my dorm with a little different attitude. You know what, I'm, I'm not doing this for other people anyway, and it doesn't matter if anybody helps me or not. I'm doing it for the Lord, and I am an unworthy servant. She said the project got done and everything was okay, but she said really what happened, it changed my heart, and it helped me in the years to come in our ministry in Cuba. Self-pity? Out the door. It happens when you're at the feet of Jesus, though. When you're focused on Jesus and his word, self-pity has to leave. There was a fourth problem in Martha's attitude. Worry. Look at verse 41. Martha, Martha. I have to use William, William. The Lord answered, you are worried. Worried. Do I even need to say anything about this? This, this is a, kind, a time when I really wished I could just get in your brain for a second. Because I, I really don't know. I don't know if we're all the same when it comes to this, but I have a tendency to worry. Any, you don't? But if, if, you've, if you've ever worried in your life, raise your hand. If you worry at least once a day, raise your hand. Okay. Well, I've, it, it comes to me naturally. I, there's a long line of worriers in my family. I told the first service, my granddaddy Whitmire, he, was, he, was, he really was a man's man. Whit was my hero. Cowboy, construction worker. He's big. He was strong. He could sling a sledgehammer all day long. Hey, that rhymed, didn't it? Good-looking man. I mean, he was, a, he was a handsome guy. I went home not long ago and did a funeral, and one of my, one of my distant cousins said, you look just like Whit. Took it as a compliment. <laughs> but as big and as strong as my granddaddy Whitmire was, let me tell you, he was a worry wart. That's the word I'm looking for. He worried about everything. 
That, that gene is in my DNA because it went right through my mama into me. We do that, Mom, don't we? We worry about things. We, we, we have the tendency, and my dad is, you better watch it. She, she'll whack you, but really, she worries enough for both of us, doesn't she, Dad? I mean, it's just, it's, it's our nature, Mother. It's our nature to worry. We, we think about the worst possible scenario, and we dwell on that, and we worry about it. Can anybody relate to that? Miss Martha was a worrier. But you know what? I'm not proud of it. Gary, I'm not proud of the fact that I'm a worrier. Because here's the deal. When, when I am worrying, it's proving the fact that I'm not trusting my Heavenly Father. Because when we worry, we're not trusting. If we're trusting, then we're not worrying. Somebody's put it like this. Whenever you worry, you're replacing the period that God has put in Scripture with a big old question mark. And we don't need to be doing that. Here's the deal. When you take your eyes off of Jesus and you're not at his feet listening to his word, let me tell you, there are plenty of things you can worry about. Finally, Jesus noted that Martha was upset about many things. I chuckle when I read this verse. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. And I've got a, a sneaky suspicion that the many things included more than just preparations for this meal. I think Martha was encumbered by many burdens. I believe that every day of her life she felt pressures and problems in her life that had been building for some time that vexed her and fretted her. And, and the pressure of entertaining the Lord Jesus Christ was simply this proverbial last straw. Yeah. And under that pressure, she vented her fears and frustrations that had been building for some time. She was upset about many things. Look at me. She was upset about many things. Are you? Really, are you? No wonder we can identify with Miss Martha. She was pulled in all directions. She was questioning God's power and his goodness. She was sinking into self-pity. She worried, and she was upset about many things. So, we've spent enough time there. Let's, let's talk about getting the kinks out. We know we have the kinks. They are inhibiting the flow of God's blessing in our life. So let's don't live that way. Let's get the kinks out. How do we do that? Well, what did Jesus say to her? What, what was Jesus' prescription, the antidote for getting the kinks out? Here's what he said in verse 41. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needful. Only one thing is important, and Mary has chosen this best thing and it's not going to be taken away from her so church look at me the, the only solution for the martha syndrome the only cure for the martha syndrome is learning to sit quietly at the feet of jesus focused on him listening to his words and i think the great lesson from this story is that being occupied with jesus is more important 
than being occupied for Jesus. Okay, I'll say it again. Being occupied with Jesus is more important than being occupied for Jesus. We should never become so busy and upset that we neglect cultivating our soul and time necessary with the Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we do that? How do we learn to sit at the feet of Jesus? Well, I like to preach practical sermons. So in conclusion, let me give you four practical ways you can be more like Mary in a Martha world. Four ways you can sit at the feet of Jesus. Four ways you can cultivate your soul. The first one's going to blow your mind. Years ago when I was at seminary in Fort Worth at uh, Southwestern, one of my professors suggested to the class that we learn how to spend a day in prayer. Think about that, a day in prayer. He said that sometimes we need extended times at the feet of Jesus. Jesus spent entire nights in prayer. Nehemiah prayed certain days about the plight of Jerusalem. Moses spent 40 days with God on Mount Sinai. So my professor suggested that we occasionally set aside an entire day, we pack our lunch, we get our Bible, and we go somewhere to be alone with God. It could be the woods, it could be the lake, it could be the top of a mountain, but you go somewhere by yourself and just spend a day with God. It's a pretty challenging idea. You say, well, what, 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 I mean, what would I do with God for a day? Well, it, it's not like you're kneeling beside your bed for 12 hours, because I don't think any of us could do that. No, it, it, it's, it's a matter of engaging in a variety of unhurried spiritual disciplines. So you got your Bible with you. And you just start by reading the Bible. You know what? Here's what happens when you read the Bible. God speaks to you. This is the inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of God. This book is alive. It's different than any other book that's ever been written before. Those other books are just words printed on paper. This book is alive. And when you read it, the Holy Spirit speaks it into your heart. And so here you are, let's say, you're on, on top of Mount Magazine. That's where I like to go. And no other hikers are up there. And so I'm, I'm, all, I'm on that bench, and I just got the Word of God, and I start reading. Maybe it's a chapter that I really, I really read. It's a chapter I've read before, but I'm telling you, I really read the chapter this time. Or maybe it's an entire book that I read. Or, or I select a theme or a motif or a word that's through Scripture, and I study that out. And I've got me a, a, a pad big chief pad and pencil and I start taking notes because God's speaking to me and I really meditate on the word of God I let God's word soak into my life I say Lord what does this say to me how am I to respond to your word and I'm listening to God and then I spend a little time giving praise and worship to the Lord I sing to him why because nobody else is around I'm by myself and so nobody can nudge me and say, you're off tune, Will. And it don't matter. I'm taking literally that passage in the New Testament that says, singing to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And I just worship him. And then I can make a praise list. 
And I can start listing all the things that I'm thankful for. You know what? I do this a lot of times when I, when I feel burdened and I'm, I'm not happy and I'm, I'm, you know, dissatisfied and a little bit grouchy and I'm wanting something I'm not getting. I just start listing all the things that I do have, all the things that I'm thankful for. And it's a huge list. It's an unending list. And so I give thanks to the Lord. And, and then maybe I make another list of, of prayer requests and, and I start praying for other people. I intercede for other people. I pray for them, lift up their needs to the Lord, lift up the needs to my family, and I'm spending the whole day with God at his feet, worshiping him. Now, I've done this, and I can tell you, ain't nothing like it. It changes your life. It changes your attitude. It takes a bad spirit and turns it into a good one. So one way to cultivate your soul, to get the kinks out of the line, Spend a day with God. Come on, give me two of these right here. Number two, you need to rededicate yourself to a daily quiet time. We started this year with this little challenge of read it through in 22. Read it through in 20. In 2022, my challenge to you is read through the Bible. I don't know where you are in your journey with the Lord, but this is something you need to be doing every day, your daily quiet time. And, and I'm going to get a little bold right here and, and tell you, you need to do this in the morning before you go out and face the world. The, the devil's out there to try to trap you. He's dangling a whole lot of golden carrots in front of you. There's going to be some sinkholes out there. There are troubles in any given day. People cause trouble in your life. And you need God's wisdom. You need to have spent some time with the Lord in the morning before you go face the world and the devil through the day. You say, preacher, you just don't understand. My mornings are so hectic and so busy. Let's just be wise about this and come up with a solution. Go to bed 15 minutes earlier so you can get up 15 minutes earlier. And start your day with the Lord. I, I, say, I could not exist if I neglected my time each morning in prayer and Bible study. I need it when things are going well in my life to keep me humble and thankful. I need it when things are going badly in my life to keep me strong and faithful. To me, my daily appointment with the Lord is the stabilizing factor in my life. And if you want to get the kinks out of your heart, and have a great relationship with your heavenly father. Spend time every day in his word and prayer. Number three, you need to come to church. Let's see how I actually put it up there. You need corporate worship with other Christians. Period. And again, I'm going to get pretty bold. and You get mad at me if you want to. But you need to be in God's house. Every week. It's the way God set it up. God, God knows how we operate, and God knows what we need, and God knows every week we need one day in his house with his people corporately worshiping him. You need that for your own life. You need that in your own heart. You need that in your own family. And I'm, I'm, I'm not just being a preacher saying this. I'm, I'm saying this as a husband, as a father, as a man of God. Your family needs to be in God's house. 
oh, well, we got this event coming up this weekend. We got a ball game this weekend. And, and then, there, you know, I'm just tired this weekend. I'll, I'll, you know, it, it's no big deal for me to miss two or three weeks a month. Yes, it is. If you just miss one Sunday, you're opening the door for the devil to get into your life. And he will wreak havoc. And, and, and this is just not the preacher saying, oh, you got to be in church. This is the word of God. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You need to be here. I told first service, one of the, one of the things that I believe was the, the greatest point of destruction in the family and in the church uh, from COVID was this idea that, you know what, we really don't have to be there physically. Now, I know I'm, I'm climbing out on a limb, and some of you already got your hatchet out, and you're trying to make me fall off this limb. Devin, where's Devin at? Devin, thank you. Devin does a great job with our media. This team back here is awesome. I, th I thank God that we have the ability to do live stream because it, it, it is a blessing to our church. Did you know that right now there are people literally all over the world watching Kavanaugh Church? I, I know people from different countries. I know people all over the United States who, who send me messages. Thanks for that message on Sunday. Your praise team is awesome. That we're, we're, we're able to go far beyond what we were able to do before. And, and COVID helped us in doing that. It forced us to do that. But the negative part of it is a lot of people got real comfortable just watching online. And uh, I mean, it, I just... I just wear my PJs and watch it on the computer. And I mean, if you can't be in God's house, yes. But you need to be here. When you're watching in your living room or in your bedroom, it is not the same dynamic. God is in this place. We're here with other believers, strengthening one another. And you need this. So, you know, and, and guys, again, you understand I'm saying this out of a heart of love. But don't come whining to me when there's real problems in your family and in your marriage and in your home and with your kids. If you're not the one who are bringing your family to church every single Sunday. You need to be here. So in order to get those kinks out and to be a channel of God's blessings, we need to spend some time with God, maybe a day. We need to read his word every day. We need to make sure we're in God's house when the doors are open. And then number four, here's the last one. We need to make his word the last word. This is nothing new. It was developed in the early days of Dawson Trotman's ministry. He was in the army, but he was also a believer, and he developed this great system of disciplining and discipling uh, men in his military command. He, he was the originator of what is now known as the Navigators. 
And Dawson would take his men out on, on maneuvers. They would go on training expeditions. And at night when they lay down to go to bed, instead of saying good night or sleep well to his men, Trotman would shout out, H-W-L-W. And every one of the men knew what it meant, his word, the last word. That is, they were to take a verse of Scripture or a promise from the Bible and meditate on that verse or that promise as they fell asleep. Dawson knew that the last dominant conscious thought in the human mind at the end of the day would inevitably simmer into the subconscious during sleep and help shape the attitude and the personality of that person's heart. You know what? He's right. He was right. If you want to hide God's word in your heart, go to sleep meditating on his word. It seeps into your subconscious mind and it helps shape your soul. Not only are you going to sleep better, you're going to have a better attitude the next morning. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, used to say, Bible verses make pretty good pillows. So make his word the last word. So here it is, the, the antidote for being pulled in all direction, the prescription for doubting God's goodness and brooding and worrying and being upset about many things. What is the antidote? You sit at the feet of Jesus. You look into his face, you soak up the divine, infallible words given to us in his holy Bible, and we do that by spending time with God, maybe a whole day. That same professor put it like this. He said, guys, you need to divert daily, you need to withdraw weekly, and you need to, and he made this word up, monasticize monthly. That is, become a monk once a month and get along with God. You need to do also your daily reading with God. You need to rededicate yourself to daily quiet time. You need to attend church regularly, and you need to let your last conscious thought at night be Scripture. And when you do that, the kinks are going to get out of your heart. It's going to make a difference. The pressures and problems of life are going to be reduced to their proper dimensions in your own mind, and the Lord is going to give you His insight, His wisdom, and His strength. That's why, church, the best seat in the house is at the feet of Jesus. Because those who sit at the Lord's feet are going to stand on his promises. They're going to walk in newness of life. And we will go forth in the powerful name of Jesus. So let's get our hearts unkinked. Let's get the knots out of our life. Let's bring our bodies and present them to the Lord as living sacrifices today. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. There are all kinds of problems represented in this room today. Some of you have, have sick loved ones. Some of you have financial difficulties. Some of, some of you have, have personal problems that are just beyond belief. And I want to challenge you here in just a second after I pray that you come to the altar with all of those issues, all these distracting issues and lay them at the feet of Jesus and focus on his solution. There's somebody in this room who needs to come and receive 
God's gift of salvation. I encourage you today to come and be saved. We'll show you how from God's word. Will you come? Heavenly Father, please direct our hearts and our minds by your Holy Spirit today. Help us to come with all of life's difficulties that we are encumbered with and lay them at your feet. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? And I want you to bring your problems. There's the, the Rogers family is going to come up to the altar right now. I'm going to ask uh, Sandy and Ron to come on up here. Their granddaughter, little Demi, baby Demi, uh, had surgery at Children's Hospital a couple of weeks ago. They sent her home. She's redeveloped some issues. They sent her to Children's Hospital in Northwest Arkansas, and they immediately took her back to Little Rock. She is there at the Children's Hospital in Little Rock, and she needs divine intervention today. And so I'm going to ask many of you, if you would, to come and rally around Ron and Sandy and lift up little Demi. But you need to come and bring your own problems as well. Would you do that? As the praise team sings, feel free to come and pray. As God leads, you come right now. Jesus, we do worship you today. We lift you up. You are highly exalted. You are our great God and King. Yet, Lord, you identify with the problems we have every day. You're a Savior who cares and who knows. And so, Lord, today we just lift up our brothers and sisters who are struggling and have problems in their life. 
I pray, dear Lord, that as we lay these problems before you, you would give us strength and wisdom. Lord, we join the Rogers family as they lift up little Demi to you. Lord, I pray that you would touch her tiny body, bring healing to her. Be with that medical team that you've so blessed and given wisdom and insight to. May they do the right things for Demi. Lord, we pray that Jesus, the great physician, would touch her body today. Give this family hope and confidence in you. And Lord, for everyone else in this room who has real problems they're dealing with, I pray that they would drop those problems at the feet of Jesus, that they would become a Mary in a Martha world and learn how to spend time at the feet of Jesus. Strengthen us, Lord. Help us to be channels of blessings for you. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Thank you. You may be seated just for a moment. Well, you're loved. God loves you. The staff loves you. I love you. But most importantly, it's the Lord who does love you. When you leave today, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes. We appreciate your your faithfulness to give to the Lord. Uh, Come back Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. We've got uh, classes and Bible studies for all age groups. This afternoon, uh, the CTS competition for our Unity Association is going to happen at the First Free World Baptist Church in Greenwood. They're hosting the event. We've got a couple of kids in our church that will be competing in Bible memorization, so pray for them. Go support them if you can. Then they're going to have a big uh, dinner at 5 o'clock at the church, and at 6 o'clock there is going to be a youth rally for the uh, entire association. Uh, You're invited. It it doesn't matter if you're not a kid or a youth. You can still go. Uh, Joe Tolbert is going to be the preacher. Uh, Joel is here today. Uh, uh, Johnny's got him back there preaching to his kids, and they're probably still going right now because, let me tell you, Joe Tolbert gets wound up, man. But he's going to do a great job tonight for our kids. That's going to be in Greenwood. You're encouraged to be there if you can. Let's pray for each other. Let me try that again. Let's pray for each other. Amen. Amen. Do that. Make sure you pray for little Demi today as well. Hope you have an awesome day. God bless you. Get out of here.